This is Seven Sports. Hello and welcome back to the next edition of TN Talk from Seven Sport, your Gloucester City centered podcast, talking about everything going on with the Tigers over the last couple of weeks. I'm your host, Kelsey Demaria. We're back once again. I've got the boys, they're all with me Ryan Butler, Charlie Hughes, Matt Yates. How are we all doing? Good evening, mate. You all right? Good. Super. Super. I like what you've done. It's uh, Super Bowl Sunday, the day that we're recording this. Matt and, and the Charlie, Bengals are playing. So... Matt, Matt and Charlie are both Cincinnati yeah. Bengals fans, keeping the Tigers theme with their choice of NFL team as well. I like it. Um, so, yeah, I know that they're all very much looking forward to it, but not as much as they're looking forward to recording another episode of TN Talk, of course. I know I can see you like that one, Charlie, mate. Thanks. Um, but where, where, where do we begin? Uh two weeks gone since we did the first episode um of course appreciate all the feedback on that that we received from everyone you know we've taken a lot of comments on board um you know ryan's gonna try and not ramble so much matt's gonna try and be less negative and charlie's just gonna <laughs> say some stuff that nobody's gonna really think is relevant and i'm just yeah, in the middle standard. Of everyone. yeah standard really pretty much um i'll tell you what should, should i start being less less negative City are going to stay up. City are staying there, up. There you go. There we go. We've done it. And Matt is now leaving the podcast because we can't have him being too <laughs> positive. So thanks very much for your involvement, mate. Um, yeah. Uh, City, are, are City staying up? Well, they've gone some way to uh, improving their, you know, survival credentials with big win and absolutely massive win um, away at Farsley Celtic on Saturday, coming back from a goal down with... What, five minutes of, of time left. Um, Matt Green and Ollie Holbert sending Gloucester fans home. Very happy and um, also very hungover Sunday morning. Charlie, you were there. How were you, how um, were you doing this morning? <laughs> I, I did have a bit of a hangover. Um, <laughs> yes, we were making good use of the bar at Farsley with their 50p off deal and they're very, very kind deals on shots and Jaeger bombs. So waking <laughs> up this morning, I have felt better before, but was it worth it? Absolutely. Even if the coach did break down on the way back and we didn't get back to Meadow Park until just after 10 o'clock, worth it and I'd 100% do it again. <laughs> Good game? I think it was. <laughs> no, it was... Um, it, it did take both sides a little while to get into it. I don't think the pitch particularly helped. I'm, I'm not sure how many of you have seen photos of it, but someone on the cough did say that it resembled plot court in the middle of the winter. <laughs> and I've seen I've seen worse pitches in my years supporting the club, but you know it it did take both teams a little while to try and get used to that. Um, first half. Well, we, we did edge it first half. We were the better of the two sides. And then second half, we came out and even when we went 1-0 down, you, you could still see that we looked like we were going to score. But saying that, we have done even the match against Bratley last week. I don't think we were that bad. I mm -hmm. do genuinely think we played quite well last week. And I know that Butler as well, we've spoken about it a couple of times and said that City didn't play as bad as what it sounded like maybe off of expected goals for 
those of you on the call oh, who B-A. love your XG. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was the same again yesterday. And, you know, all the stats say that we were the better team because we were. And you could see the relief from everyone at full time. All of the players came over and shook everyone's hands. Mansell came over, shook everyone's hands. And you could see that they were genuinely relieved and happy. It was like they finally got that weight off their shoulders of not playing dreadfully. We haven't been playing dreadfully. We've just not been, obviously, scoring. So hopefully now getting... That was a big win because Files here at the bottom. And that was an important three points to get. Hopefully that's now going to be the start of the improvement in results that I do genuinely think we deserve. Yeah. Um, it's, it's made no bones about it. It, is, it was possibly the biggest game of the season up, up to that point. And for all the world, it looks, you know, for people that were just following the game along at home on, you know, Twitter and Flash Score and, and, and whatever, um, as soon as you saw Gloucester go 1 0 down, you just kind of thought, oh no, here we go again. Um, and I, I, for one, I was absolutely delighted when I saw the notification pop up that Matt Green equalised with a couple of minutes left. Um, and then even more so delighted that, that Ollie Holbert had, had bagged the winner in, in stoppage time. I think delighted more for, for, for Lee Mansell uh, particularly as well, because, you know, Ryan and I spoke to him after, after some pretty tough defeats, um, you know, against Hereford and against Brackley, where he's been, you know, visibly... Not the uh, not best pleased, I think, is um, kind of you know generous to say, and um, you could just tell that it, it, at points he was just thinking, "What do I have to do to to get this side to to win a game?" Um, and and you know it's it's happened, and yeah, delighted for him, absolutely delighted for him. The, the thing that I took from the the Brackley game um, during the interview that we had with him was that you know he was on about how you know he's there and you know, trying and, and looking after the club and looking after the players. And then he sort of begged the question of who's looking after me. Um, and for me, that's an indication that maybe he doesn't feel that the players were, you know, reciprocating that effort. Um, but yeah, I don't think he can have any complaints with, from what we've heard about how City played that fastly. And ultimately, you know, Charlie's saying there that, you know, we did play well, you know, we looked quite good. I think Lee Mansell, to him, that's kind of irrelevant. That game on Saturday was more about result over performance. If they put a performance in as well, the fact they've come from behind so late on shows that there is a performance there to back it. That's only, you know, icing on top of the cake. I do think as well... Go on, Yates. Go on. I was going to say, this is aimed more at Charlie anyway, but is it more of a case of now um, Mance is kind of seeing the fruits of his labour for the efforts he's put in by bringing in certain players. Um, Obviously, last time we did this podcast, it was off the back of the Hereford game. And I can't remember what the one before that was. Um, Was it Brackley? It must have been Brackley. I can't remember. But anyway, it was Kidderminster, wasn't it? Kidderminster draw. But you saw off the back of there, and we were saying Matt Green, it was his first sort of couple of games for the club, and he looked a bit off the pace. But are we now seeing a case of those players that Mance has brought in have, have had all that training, had that bit of extra exposure with the rest of the team and it's kind of gelling a little bit more. Yeah, I think that that's true, definitely. It, it was a good team performance yesterday and I think after we went 1-0 down, 
you would have understood if the players' heads had dropped and they thought, oh no, here we go again, because we had been the better team again up until that point. But credit to them, they they didn't let their heads drop. They kept going right up until 90th minute, even in injury time. Was it 90 plus two? We scored the winner. After that, they were still going for a third. And that was something that was good to see. So they've, mm. it does look like they've all been gelling. Um, it was a good response. Yeah, you City mentioned, fans have been you mentioned... Sorry, Kelsey. I was going to say, just yeah. to, to chime in on that, City fans have been quite vocal on the cough recently, more so than, than you know, other points during the season that, you know, questioning whether the players care, whether the players understand the situation they're in. But if, you know, the players are showing fight, yes, it's away from home and, you know, it's, it's only a small number of fans. But that's going to be felt in the wider market, so to speak. Mm. And, you know, the fans that would have been back home watching the score coming in, you know, being 1-0 down with five minutes to go and you've come back on 1-2-1, that's the kind of fight and that's the kind of desire that City fans wanted to see. Yeah. And then at full time, I know it is only a little thing, but every player and all of the coaches shaking hands of the fans who went and then they stayed behind for a chat. I know that Isaac bought Ben Nugent a um, a drink. I shan't say what the drink was, but <laughs> you could see that the players, every single one of them, they loved it. <laughs> and yeah. that's great. And the coach yeah. coming back, everyone on there, was in such a good mood and it's been a long time since to be honest it's been years since a lot of us were saying we've seen a coach like it was how happy everyone was coming back yeah togetherness in uh, especially in a club like Gloucester City has always been such a massive massive thing and we've always seen comparisons drawn from uh, you know from from fans looking at teams in the past and how together they were they have been with the fans and and how this so, you know, lack of togetherness, which I think is not necessarily a, a harsh thing to say. I think it's certainly there's been a divide there, um, not necessarily an us and them man- mentality, but it's certainly not been as close as, as what it once was. So, yeah, it's great to see that there is that level of togetherness, you know, creeping back in uh, into the club. A um, couple of oh, we put out on Twitter as well. You can follow us on um, Twitter at TN Talk Pod, by the way, um, for all your sort of like one-stop shop for uh, for TN Talk news and and clips. We do post sort of like teaser clips from the previous podcast during the week as well on there for those of you who think that, you know, 45 minutes for a podcast is too long. Um, we we put out some, uh, some questions, you know, uh, wanting your opinions on how the game went. A um, couple of comments coming in, um, especially on the cough as well, actually. Um, City Gull writes, uh, incredible turnaround in the last five minutes. We'd been the better of two ordinary teams on a windswept and testing pitch um, when we switched off to uh, give Farsley a late lead that they didn't deserve. Um, then goes on to say that the introduction of Matt McClaw made us look much more threatening and led to some decent chances, but it was actually Danny King's late introduction that tipped the balance, um, playing wide out on the right, helping to change the shape. Would you say that's a fair assessment, Charlie, from, based on what you can actually remember? I think so. <laughs> Honestly, but, you know, um, we did look a lot stronger as the game went on. I think there'll be a mixture of tactical changes and we did have most of the ball. We were probably tiring Farsley out, to be honest, but when it was coming to the end of the game, which you'd expect with us being a full-time side, especially on a pitch which would have been taking it out of the players. 
we were improving as it went on. I think that the players that came on played well. <laughs> but obviously, well, the result speaks for itself and we, we got stronger as the game went on. So, Well, yeah. D- D- Danny King must have played well, mate, because uh, he's got two assists. So, you know, uh, he must have. Must have done well in. Uh, <laughs> in I was slightly worried that the first goal was offside, but uh, turns out that the linesman on our side used to live around the corner from me in Northampton when I was at uni there. So, oh, that's, there we go. Then. <laughs> <laughs> me and Isaac were bantering him off quite a lot about that. So, if maybe it from the FA is even. listening. By the way, that uh, the, there's no you know match fixing going on. It's, uh, <laughs> as yeah, just one of Charlie's mates just happened just to be inquiring the, to uh, where his haircut was from. Ah <laughs> oh dear. Right. Um moving it on. So we we're talking about sort of you know Gloucester's survival chances um now. We if I think it's fair to say that if Gloucester had lost that game on Saturday, this it, it would certainly be a much, a much, much different podcast to uh to what it is and what it has been for the opening sort of ten or whatever minutes. Um that was undoubtedly the biggest game of the season so far, as we've mentioned a few times over the last couple of weeks. Where where does City kick on from here? They've got a, a, a run of games against mid-table sides coming up. Darlington, Alfreton, Spennymore, Curzon, Ashton. Um, out of those sort of next four games, this is a question more for Charlie, really, as sort of like the, the one that will likely go to most of, if not all of those games. What is what is a points return that you would be happy with out of the next four games? Don't say 12, by the way. I mean a realistic one. Realistically, I think maybe six or seven would be the target. I, I don't know if there is a target, um, but I do think that would be possible. But also, if you look at the recent matches we played, Kidderminster away who were up near the top and we got a draw away from there. That's another point. That's a very good point to get, especially at Agbra with how well Kidminster have been this season. Then we had Brackley last Saturday. Yes, we lost 1-0. I don't think we deserved to lose 1-0. Performance was decent enough. Again, yesterday, the performance against the team at the bottom was good. I do think that if we keep pretty much the same performance we've had for the past few weeks going. There is no reason why we couldn't get six, seven, even nine points from the next few games. I think looking at the four games, similar to, to what Charlie was saying, instinctively when you ask that question, Kels, I said, you know, five, six. Because if you say five points, that's a win and two draws out of, you know, the four games. So realistically, if you're saying then out of one out of four, you've lost... Yeah, that doesn't sound too bad, even if you are only getting one of the wins. It shows that you're becoming harder to beat, you know, building momentum because then it's multiple games that you're not losing in. Because if you've got six points, it's then two defeats in amongst that. So depending on how it goes, you know, whether it's win-lose, win-lose, it's hard to build momentum up that way. Whereas if you can get a run of being unbeaten, getting a win in amongst that, then I think that would put them in good stead going, going forward with the games they've got coming up. Yeah, yeah, they're going to want to keep a, a, a bit of momentum going from this Farsley game now. And as we were saying before, obviously, Mance's players are bedded in now, seem to be all gelling a little bit. They've got rid of a few players. You know, he's, he's made no bones about it in interviews. He said he's had a few 
disruptive players in the changing room, essentially, from what he's, if you're reading between the lines, and we've seen players leave. So assuming that was the case, you'd like to think they're a bit more of a tighter squad now going forward. And it's completely in their hands after they've done this run of games because then they've got Telford away. And Telford and Farsley are the two teams that are worse than them in this this league. So if they can keep a little bit going in this next... Because they got to go... I think they're playing 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th and 17th in the table. Hmm. So that's, you know, a run of teams who are, are average in the league, essentially. Yeah. I've yeah. done some homework, Matt. I've done some homework. He, that he has, yeah. We'll get, about. yeah. we'll get on to that in just a minute. It's, it's good points. It's it, all very, very good points that, that you make. I mean, you, you, you're looking at a Gloucester team before the Farsley result who had, who had lost, you know, four out of their last five and had won literally one out of their last, what, eight games, nine games or something like that. So, um, you know, a, a chance for them to kick on from here and really start looking up the table rather than, over their shoulders, but yeah, next um, next four or five games are going to be sort of critical to where Gloucester's season season end up. They can't just look at this Farsley game and think, right, brilliant, yes, yeah, you're staying up, that's done now. We'll uh, we'll wait for next season to roll around. Um, you know, that could pro- probably, I imagine, there are some City fans who who in the back of their mind are uh, already thinking that the job is done. But yeah, job absolutely not done at all. Um, as Ryan said, he's done a little bit of homework. As to as to why the job isn't done, so Ryan, mate, the floor is yours. Tell us tell us what you've been looking at. Well, everyone knows I'm a stat man. Everyone who follows Seven Sport knows that I love my statistics, looking at fixtures that are coming up and what have you. And basically, what I've done this evening ahead of the show is I've gone through all of the bottom six and their running from here on in. As you imagine, you know, with about you know 14 games left, give or take. Um, you know, a lot of the fixtures look the same. It's the combination of fixtures that is going to decide who is ultimately going to go down for me. You look at this weekend, we talked the City at home to Darlington, big game anyway on its own. But when you put it into perspective that whilst that is happening, Farsley are playing Bradford Park Avenue, Telford are playing York, you know, and a lot of people would look at that and think Telford are unlikely to get a result there. And then Geisley played Blythe, uh, Blythe sorry. So, you know, you've got four of the bottom six playing against each other. So really, you look at that Darlington game, it's almost a free shot for City because, you know, as a bare minimum, two of the teams in and around them will lose on Saturday or drop points on Saturday. So, you know, it's a fairly, you know, free shot. But what I'm interested in, Matt mentioned it there, that City do have the likes of, you know, Telford, Geisley to come. And there's a, a period from the 19th of March that goes on to the Bank Holiday Monday, the 18th of April, where every single game week sees at least two of the bottom six playing each other. So I went through it with Kelsey before we started recording this. You've got the 19th of March, City are away at Bradford Park Avenue. Uh, On the 22nd of March, that Tuesday night, you actually have Goldsley versus Telford and Blythe versus Bradford Park Avenue. Uh, On the 26th, Farsley plays Telford. That is a massive game. City are home to file that day. So, you know, a home game whilst your two biggest relegation rivals are facing off against each other is massive for City. So that could be a big game. Knowing and it's a shot enough in that forward game. Exactly. Well. Exactly that. And knowing full well that the next week after that, the 2nd of April, it's an away trip to Telford. Following that, City then played Geisley at home while Telford played Blythe. On the 15th of April, Blythe played Farsley Celtic. 
City are away at Kettering, uh, Telford are away at Hereford, um, Boston United host Bradford Park Avenue. So there's a lot of difficult games in that. Largely, they host the current leaders, Gateshead. And it concludes on the 18th of April, the Bank Holiday Monday, when Bradford Park Avenue actually played Geisley as well. So if you were to look at that month as a key period for not just City, but for all of that bottom six, if City are out of the relegation zone after that, I don't see them going down. And I would be confident in saying that. Looking at the remaining games everyone else has got following that, you know, a lot of people play each other. Um, For example, City play life on the last day of the season everyone's got similar um run-ins a couple of difficult fixtures for the likes of Telford Telford's last four games I mean last five games really so after they play Farsley City then Blythe in a row they end the season by playing Hereford away Chorley away Boston at home Southport away York at home and that's difficult Farsley they have similar that's a hell of a run-in so Farsley, again, after they play Blythe, Southport, Chester, York, Darlington, Boston United. And what's interesting about Farsley Celtic is they still have Boston United away to be fit into the schedule after it was postponed last uh, uh, in January. So, you know, looking at the run-ins, whilst everyone plays difficult games, if City are out of it after that 18th of April game, I don't see them getting dragged back into it. Great Let's research, talk. mate. Great research, <laughs> by the way. That is some un- unreal stato uh, knowledge right there, mate. Uh, appreciate appreciate the work you went into. It's um, over the past sort of years when Gloucester have been in, you know, perennial relegation candidates, you know, um, before the last couple of seasons. It was always the talk of, you know, the mini league, the certain... Um, former consultant of Gloucester City Football Club, always used to <laughs> coin that term Damn on... Uh, <laughs> always used to coin that term on the uh, City Open Forum every single year, you know. You, you, and it was just used to come back as a, a real cliche, as if it was, like, you know, just something that people said. But this year, it's it's more evident than ever. You know, they're, <clears throat> you, let's, let's, let's be real. You know, City have been... The, the, the stats back it up. They have been one of the worst teams in the league this season. I don't think that's harsh to say. I think they've probably they they've got they've got better personnel than their league position suggests. I think they do have better players than than where they are in the league. Um, but yeah, it's just not really come together for the club at all. And the next month. Um, as as Ryan said, after this sort of run of games against the middle table, um, massive, absolutely massive for the club, and it could even have further implications as well beyond for you know for for, for next season in terms of investment into the squad, investment into the playing budget, um, you know attendances, everything. So it's, it could just all snowball out of control really if they don't get it right. The problem is, you look at the the table. I'm looking at it right now. City's defence isn't even that bad. Um, City have only let in 40 league goals. And, you know, it sounds like I'm saying, you know, 40 league goals conceded isn't an awful lot. But when you put it into perspective, you look above them in the table, Blythe, 48, Bradford Park Avenue, 44, Chester, 47, you know, Darlington, who come to Meadow Park on Saturday, they've let in the same amount of goals as Gloucester City, but they're 14th. They're seven points ahead. 
and even even further aloft at the top. You know, you look at you know Boston United just outside the the, the playoff places, two points outside the playoffs. Mind they've only let in three goals less than Gloucester City this year, and the problem is City just haven't scored enough. And, yeah. and when you put it that way, maybe it isn't all doom and gloom because if the goals come, City is showing across the season so far. You know, their defence isn't exactly, you know, horrific. It is just the fact when you look at the table, they've only scored 24 goals. And that is the problem. That's that's the point that Mans was making in his last sort of interviews, wasn't it? it? He said we could be playing all night and not hit the back of the net. And he does it. They do it in training. He rams it into them in training that they need to score goals. And hopefully they scored two in one game. So we're on a bit of a roll now, hopefully. I do think that bringing in that second defensive midfielder during the week is going to be a massive, massive help because we have got the likes of Sheaf, Dawson and Fabs. I, I said it on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. I think that the three of them are all, they're obviously all creative players, but it's quite hard to try and fit three who essentially do the same sort of role into a team together and I think that having a second defensive midfielder and it showed yesterday we were a lot more solid at the base and going forward it meant that we could free up those attacking players to not have to worry so much about the defensive side of things so they they had their freedom to do what they do best and look what came out of it two goals mm. of course you um you know mentioned about uh, new players coming into the squad just you know obviously want to say as well um mention it that Bernard Mensah has gone on loan of course which was announced um a few days ago gone on loan to Redditch United get you know a bit more game time a bit more confidence under his belt um and of course there's no Dan Ledbetter involved at Farsley on Saturday as well he went off injured um against Brackley last week um no official word from the club yet as to where that um, or how long that that injury is going to be um, obviously if it's a serious one you know we wish Dan Ledbetter all the best um, you know he's been an exceptional player for City this season and hopefully he's back sooner rather than later. The thing that would concern me is the fact that he wasn't able to walk off under his own power at a yeah. distance you know being um, you know ushered off the pitch obviously he was able to walk on one foot but no weight was going down on the second um that would be a, a major worry um but there's always a chance that potentially it could be one of those where they say well don't walk on it because you could make it worse so yeah without sort of guidance from the club it's hard to really speculate what it could be but you know we said it on on commentary at the bracket game cast you know he is probably the player that would be it, get player of the season if the season ended tomorrow so yeah, you know, that's how big of a miss he could potentially be for, for City. But then at the same time, we've also got Jack James, who I think I read on the website a week or so ago that we're hoping he'll be back start of next month. So we've only got a few more games to go and then we get oh, another right back coming back in. So we'll have to see. Obviously, it's Daniel Edbit and he has been a brilliant player for us this season. He's going to be a big miss. But with Jack James coming back into things... And obviously he's been out now. He's not played for be close to a year. Mm. Yeah, he's uh, it's it's going to be difficult, as you say, for him to get get back up to speed and be the player that he was before that injury, which I think was an injury in pre season as well, wasn't it? Which is yeah. literally the worst um, <laughs> worst possible thing to happen to a player. Um, get injured where you're not even playing 
meaningful games. So. There could always be that chance as well that by the time Jack James does get up to speed, Dan Ledbit is back anyway. Mm-hmm. Be a great selection yeah, headache to have. Exactly. Yeah, well, of course, you know, we've seen Jack James play at left back before as well in, you know, under the James Rowe era when when James first came to the club, you know, um, when City had Josh Thomas, I think, was playing out at right back and, and Jack James was filling in left back as well. So, yeah, you know, he's, he's a versatile player to have and you could even look at, you know, pushing him a bit further forward as well if City are struggling for, you know, right midfield options. And it's, yeah, it's a good good player to have, Jack James. And well, uh, I think uh, uh, Jack James would provide Gloucester City is the option to go five at the back. Um, they mm-hmm. would then drop into a three at the back when they you know have possession because you know Ledbetter has played centre half as well. Thompson, uh, you know, he he looked pretty good against Brackley. First time I'd yeah. really seen him where you know he was able to get a good spell of minutes in him um, with with me watching. You know, and he nearly coming, scored a wordy as yeah, well. Yeah, and him coming off the bench, you know, it's hard to really gauge your opinion of, on him when you're watching him off the bench one week and then the next time you're a City, he's an SNU and, and what have you. But he looked quite good. I, I think that, you know, if you had a back three of him, Gehring and Nugent, Jack James on the, the right, and, well, you say Louis Hall at the moment on the on the left, and, you know, even if Ledbetter comes back pretty quickly as well. You could even have Ledbetter on the left or, or James on the left and you know, alternate between the two. But you know, it'd be a, a solid option to you know go for the four or, or even the five. And we've got Harrison as well, who should be coming yeah. back in the next few weeks. There's a yeah. lot of players that we've got out injured that are coming back at the moment, which is great. And that's only going to help with the running that we've got now. Yeah, getting healthy at, at just the right time. So, yeah, interesting a uh, few weeks ahead for Colossi on the pitch. Um, I think we've done the on-pitch on stuff to, to death for the last couple of weeks, to be fair. I think the um, off-pitch as well, um, never one to, to to shy away from the spotlight, is um, Alex Peverham, of course, um, the co-chairman of Colossi, who appeared on the Chair to Chair podcast um, with Hungerford Town chairman, Patrick Chambers. Um, I, I must say, I I turned it on. Um, it's about ninety minutes. Um, I turned it on. That's for, long for a podcast. I yeah, I know. Long. I can't. I know. Too I, long. Too long. I, I thought. Do you know what? There's no way I'm going to listen to all of this, and uh, ended up listening for the whole ninety minutes. Um, mm-hmm. I, thought, I thought it was actually quite a good, um, quite a good, insightful listen. I I will say, you know, I would I was driving for all of that hour and a half as well so i kind of had no excuse to you know turn it off so uh, is what it is um ryan and charlie i know you've listened to it um matt obviously you you know like you said 90 minutes is too long for you mate for a podcast um <laughs> matt's a self-employed man with two young kids mate yeah he's absolutely. not getting a chance to listen to anything for 90 minutes. <laughs> um apart from the three hours to spend watching the super bowl later so, oh, that's different, mate. That's different. <laughs> um, what are your main takeaways from the podcast and the comments that the AP? Because there was so there's so much in there to unpack. He's, you know, said so, so yeah. much sort of there was so much good stuff and 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 so much so many things where you kind of looked at it and thought, why is he, why has he said that? Um, you know, on yeah. a podcast that's going out on <laughs> on, on on national platforms, so. What, what what did you make of it? I liked his honesty. Uh, 
whether it's you know, 100% honest, you know, knowing Alex like, like we do, there is probably a bit of exaggeration in some of the stories he told and the anecdotes he told, but he was quite open. You know, nothing felt like he was, you know, doubting he should be talking about it or crossing the line with stuff he was talking about. You know, I, I like the section, which if if you went on the website, sevensport.co.uk, you'd see that I sort of summarised a, a section where he spoke about backing Lee Mansell, said the words that um, he could pretty much guarantee that he wouldn't be changing manager again this season. On the well, he eve, did guarantee it. Yeah, I mean, on the eve of what was being labelled the biggest game of the season, it's quite a gamble. Um, but I like the honesty. especially when you've got a lot of comments from fans saying if they don't yeah. win that Mansell should go. Yeah. So, um, but I like the the honest, well, the openness in regards to um, how he feels that they've recruited um, before Lee Mansell, during Lee Mansell, and you know, having a chairman who is as open as he is regarding that and saying that you know it wasn't acceptable and. He, he yeah. obviously praised James Rowe and, and, you know, anyone who was in and around the club at that time that James Rowe was there knows that he knew exactly what he wanted, exactly who he wanted and exactly how he was going to get there. Um, you know, there's no question that if the season wasn't null and void, City would have gone very, very close, would have been the favourites to go up. And that's because of, you know, the character that the manager was. With Paul Groves, we never really got that. You know, we never really saw that it was a, a manager who probably had the belief that he would get promoted. Whereas with James Rowe, it was, no, we will get promoted. I'm bringing in players who will get us promotion. And the players he did bring in, you know, looked like it was going to happen. Um, but then but then Alex was sort of talking about, you know, the recruitment just not being good enough after that. And I, I think he's spot on. I think it was almost... A, a good insight really into the flaws that Gloucester City have had in that in that sort of section and, and trying to improve the you know getting the players that they have it, it just didn't work it, it was a very open and honest podcast wasn't it from him it's just it is a shame that he's gone on to a Hungerford podcast before our own but <laughs> we can forgive him for that I, side of things he's been on Seven Sport programming before interviewed him at the ground he's been on <laughs> You know, but he's for breakfast, and, and he's always been the same. You know, he he'll mm. he'll tell us how it how it is. You know, as I said, there'll be some stuff that he's deliberately telling us because he's not gonna you know reveal the cards that he's holding close to his chest. But you know, he's a businessman and a successful businessman for that reason. There was one particular part of it that I really liked, and he said that. He used to think that supporting the manager just meant about giving them as much money as possible. But now he realises that actually it's all about maybe taking them down the pub, putting your arm around their shoulder and buying them a pint. And I, I feel like over the past couple of months or so, he, he's, he's maybe learned quite a lot more about the club and how he wants to wants to run it. And it's... It's quite nice to see that kind that that side to him, and you know we were saying a few of us at the game, Farsley yesterday that actually that none of us were really talking about what happened on the pitch. It's more about the stuff going on off it. It's the community side of things, and it's there are a few younger kids that were on the coach yesterday that I think were going to their first away game, and seeing how happy they were and 
they had a, a genuinely good time and all the players were taking photos with the kids at full time. That's what it's all about. And that kind of looking after each other and the results will always follow on from that. I think it helps that Gloucester are back in the city. Um, you know, when AP first started getting involved with the club, they were still at Evesham. You know, he's talking about how, um, you know, he went to, to Evesham to watch City play games and, you know, he, he wasn't happy with what he was seeing. You know, I think that goes for every single person that went to the Jubilee Stadium and watched Gloucester City play. No one was happy with what they were seeing, whether it was, you know, myself and Kelsey commentating or, or you know, fans who, who go up and down the country travelling, watching Gloucester City. Um it was a really bad period for the club to be playing at that stadium. Nothing against Eastern United, nothing against, you know, the stadium itself, but it, you know, it wasn't home and city as a club were a million, million miles away from home. So now they're back at, at city. There is that community feel coming back at the club. You look at, mm. you know, all the, the video clips going on social media, you know, Claire and, and, and Stu do a fantastic job with, you know, promoting Meadow Park as a facility for the youth football. When I've been there watching Glossy Under-21s on a Saturday morning, you know, after that, it's usually under-15s or under-16s that come and play. You know, they turn up about half-time watching Under-21s and they're all in their Gloucester City kit. You know, they're all, you know, it's starting to feel like a one club again. Um, which, you know, you see the benefit of. Like today, I was down on the ground watching. It was the women's development team in their cup match with a few of our other fans, and you know, we've got the bar open, got the new food outlet that was open, and there was quite a few people down there watching. And a few of the women's players now have started to come on to the away coaches, and it, it's starting to feel a bit more like everyone is fighting together and everyone's on the same page, which I don't think has happened start of this season. I, I think that. It was quite a, a rocky time, but it does feel like over the past couple of months, it just feels different, but in a really good way. And we were all saying that on the coach yesterday, that it feels good again. It feels great. It's almost a thing like Gloucester City needs to learn how to be that type of football club again, because they went so many years in exile <clears throat> and then youth going off one way, the ladies going off the other, the men's club going off the other. And it just, like you said, it was completely disconnected. So, they're almost learning how to bring it back together. And AP is almost learning on the job how to be a chairman and bring all of those things together himself. Because we said it on the last podcast, and we said it before, he's a good businessman, he knows how to run a business, but he's learning to, to run a football club. And if you can feel it as a supporter with other, other supporters on an away coach saying, you know what, it feels like more of a club now, then he's obviously doing a good job. Well, I think, think it, was, it, was, it was nice to hear how... Hmm how self-aware on that point, Matt, how self-aware AP really was about the differences mm. between running a business and, and running a football club. You know, he, he even made the comment on there that he's, you know, he's, he, he just wasn't aware of, of, of how polarizing the two things are. He thought he would just come in. It would be not necessarily a jolly up, but you know, he's just a, a normal bloke who, who doesn't like wearing shirt and tie into a boardroom, who, who likes to wear shorts and into a boardroom and get kicked out and, you know, doesn't care what people think of him. He's just going to be someone who just comes in and runs a football club and that's that. But it's totally, totally different to, to how he would run his, you know, his normal business. And, and it was really nice to see how, as I said, how self-aware he was of that. Coming back to what Matt was saying, obviously talking about, um, you know, 
having to get used to Gloss City being that one club. I was sort of thinking about it as soon as Matt said that. You know, back when City were playing at Warden Road, playing at Evesham, you know, the women, which was which is now City of Gloucester Women, you know, they played at the Wolves Club, as did the under-16 team. The under-18s, they would be playing at either Long Levens or, or at Tuffley. And it's not so much that they're all playing all over the place and what have you, but the expenditure that would have gone through that having to pay, you know, Long Levens to play at Sawmills, having to play, pay Tuffley Rovers to use Cleveland Park, having to, you know, pay to have uh, shipping containers at Wolves Club where the kit would be stored. That's all expenditure that the club would have had to be paying on a yearly basis on top of rent at either Evesham or Wadden Road. You know, without that financial backing of someone like, you know, Alex and... You know, Eamon's done a you know a terrific job as well whilst he's been at the club. So now that it is back at Gloucester, even if the first team, you know, we've talked about the first team and where they're at, underneath that, everything else is starting to come back together again. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a time when the first team will, will see the benefit of that. The club will see mm-hmm. the benefit of that. Um, and, and yeah, it's quite an exciting time. And well, it was it was almost like the, the the ladies and and the youth teams did go a completely separate way. They were they were Gloucester City in mm-hmm. name, but weren't Gloucester City in organisation. Yeah, of course, of course. And that was due to the fact that they needed to keep the men's club alive mm-hmm. because they were playing all over the county and all over the country. So yeah, like you said, I think that's something that that AP has done a good job on because he's he was focused on it and he knew that he wanted to bring the ladies back to Meadow Park and he wanted to bring the youth all in one big umbrella of the club rather than being here, there and everywhere. And it might have put a few people's noses out of place. And, you know, sometimes you've got to do these things to, to make the greater good. And it is, it needed. like I said, showing it now. Yeah. Mm. I think the chairman was saying about how when he first got involved with them, they were averaging at 280 and yeah. now they're at four, mid 400s, I think. Like, yeah. Uh, that's kind of what shows when you do make it a, a proper community club and you do it throughout the whole club. Um, I'd like to think that maybe that's starting to happen with us now. Everyone's starting to pull on the same page. So let's hope. Let's hope that next over the next few seasons, our attendances go from whatever the average is now, because obviously it's going to be a little bit different. But fifteen, sixteen hundred or so next season, that would be super. Yeah, you talk about. Um just to finish on this point really a lot of people talk about sustainability in football and people look at you know clubs like when Forest Green started plowing money into their club for example a lot of people thought oh well, that's not sustainable um you know they're all just going to fall off a cliff at one point but the way that Forest Green went about it I think they really did it you know the right way incorporating all the community stuff in and it was all geared towards this one longer term goal of you know Obviously, the the Junction Twelve thing, you know, never never really came off. But now that they they've got the the permission in for their new eco park, it shows that sustainability. Once you start building it from all aspects of the club, you know, the youth team, the ladies team, the men's team, it all lends itself into the bigger picture of the club, and the club starts to become more sustainable. And I think where Gloucester City were that was not a sustainable model and God knows how many times that Gloucester have been, you know, served with CCJs and, you know, debt orders and things like that and how close they were to being wound up by a couple of, you know, 
a couple of times in the past. And um, I think we are starting to to move away from that. Yes, the money side is is, is big. Obviously, money makes the world go round at the end of the day. But now Gloucester are starting to become more sustainable. The future looks looks promising. The one concern I'd have, though, me and Kelsey have spoke about this over the weekend. Um, if you actually listen to that podcast, you, you know, AP does sort of talk about hypothetics um, and hypothetical situations that, you know, he, he sort of hinted, well, if I turn around and say, you know, I'm only going to be, you know, giving three more seasons to the wife and, you know, I'd like to get promoted in that time. You know, for me, it's a weird thing to say because I wouldn't have said that unless that was something I was genuinely thinking. So now there's always that slight in my head, you know, if City then go up in three seasons, then is he going to pull the money out? Because realistically, if he does pull the money out and walk away, in the current situation City are in, yes, they're on their way back and on their way of getting to this um, one club, one community that they want to be, but they're still a few years away from that at the moment. So that kind of talk, you know, would be in the back of my mind now. You know, I'd sort of say, why have you said that? Um, because if it does happen, you don't want to fear the worst in, in this sort of day and age with football clubs that have gone out of business and what have you. But, you know, that is a possibility. I mean, I, th- I guess that's the possibility with any football club at the majority of levels these days, because mm-hmm. unless you're a fan and club, anyone with who's the chairman can just walk away. I guess... If you look at the positives of it, he's setting Gloucester City up to be in a much, much better position than when he first came in and a much more attractive proposal for anyone who does want to take it on from if he did, if he was to leave. You know, they've got a ground, they've got all this setup, they've got youth, ladies, blah, blah, blah. Someone could come in and say, you know what, I, I want to give this a go. They might have wanted to come in a few years ago, but thought, you know what, I've got to build a ground here. I've got to try and do all of this kind of stuff. And I'm not interested. Like he might be saying that because someone's onto him saying, Oh, I might be interested in coming in and putting a bit of money in. I don't think he's that interested in it being a three year thing and then that's it. I, I think that he's probably only just started. You look as well at Gloucester Sport. I think that creating Gloucester Sport and then getting the basketball in as well shows that he's probably in it for the long haul, not just there we go, that's the ground built, off I go now. Yeah, I'd like to think so. Yeah, I'd like to think so. Even him as an individual, you know, I said it on the on the on the first episode. You know, one thing that I wouldn't question is how much he cares. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I I think that's a a very good point for for all for all his flaws and 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 what have you. I don't think there's any doubt that AP is a man who genuinely just wants to do right by Gloucester City Football Club where he can. Um, Chaps. Uh, it's been been a pleasure as always. Um, thanks, thanks for joining joining me. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. By the time that we are back on in in two weeks' time, Gloucester would have played three games. Um, big big run of games coming up for City. Hopefully they can push on following uh, Saturday's big win against Farsley. But only time will and tell. And the Bengals will have won a Super Bowl. <laughs> we are we we're fully in in the Bengals camp tonight. Um, for the not for the fact you know not for the fact that Matt and Charlie support the Bengals but you know it's it's Tiger it's 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 a Tiger so we you know we we talk about a team that are nicknamed the Tigers we've got to support you know the Bengals in the Super Bowl as well 
So, uh, Up the Rams. Old star chili. <laughs> Ryan is now banned from future <laughs> TN Talk for that, for that comment. <laughs> Chaps, thanks very much uh, for joining us, everyone. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks' time. Take care. For the best sports coverage in the West, visit sevensport.co.uk.